So we've been requested to do a review. I've printed you a review sheet. We'll just kind of walk through it this evening, get our get my consciousness back in the mode of what I'm trying to, you know, relay here uh, from uh, Madhurya Kadamani, and then uh, we'll continue with the fourth uh, cloud bank, the fourth shower of nectar, and uh, dealing with exactly what, what are the symptoms of steadiness and devotion, and what are the, what, what is actually there that we can see in our character that needs to be dealt with when we are getting close to steadiness in our devotional practice. So the first, second, third cloud bank dealing basically with the first steps of progressive devotional service as outlined by Rupa Goswami in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Adao Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangotha Bhajana Kriya Tato Nartha Mevritisha Tato Nista So Nista is coming after there's some faith after there's some grand good fortune by coming into contact with Krishna's devotees um, after we take advantage of that good association that good Sangha and we start to engage in the process of of purifying our, our senses and engaging them in the Lord's service. So uh, this is referred to broadly as uh, Chesta Rupa. We're working with our external senses because we don't have uh, Bhava Rupa yet. Uh, Bhava Rupa means that we, we're serving the Lord on an emotional. Or we're, we're feeling love, basically. It's an emotional platform. So in the beginning, we're engaging with our with our senses, uh, with our mind, uh, guided by good intelligence, uh, intelligence first coming through Shastra and the spiritual master, uh, our intelligence pretty much clouded. There's a little intuition there. Sometimes we can figure out what's good and what's bad, but most of our determinations coming from material attachment most of our determinations are based on what's good and what's bad for my senses because the senses are the only only thing that I have experience of in enjoying material life and enjoying life and enjoying we're basically we're pleasure seekers uh, that's a, there's a good reason for that we're part and parcel of the supreme enjoyer so naturally a little bit of that's in us but we don't know how to do that we don't know how to we're looking in all the wrong places uh, so these beginning stages once we come in contact with the sadhu then we, we engage in bhajana kriya and our engagement there our rupa our, our attachment is is generally founded in 
in working with our senses. So that's the way we we work in developing an exchange with the Supreme Lord. Um, and that exchange is initially experienced uh, in, ex- in an exchange with his representative. Uh, and that's where we really have a, a direct experience, so to speak. Uh, because, uh, Krishna, it's clear from the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, that with material senses we can't really perceive the Lord. Uh, it's not possible. I'm forgetting the verse right now. but. Uh, With the material senses, there we have to develop spiritual senses in order to directly experience Krishna. And uh, so, in the beginning, this this practice is primarily uh, one of engaging the senses, and the rupa, the exchange, the the uh, the, the rock, the the taste is through that engagement of the senses. Basically, we're, we're reprogramming ourselves to start to enjoy on the spiritual platform. And that begins by placing our body in devotional practices under good direction and training ourselves to find pleasure where there actually is pleasure. Where it's eternal, where it's it's lasting, it's it's fully satisfying to the self. Uh, so, we train our eyes to start looking on the form of the deity, our intellect to enter into a philosophy that satisfies uh, our soul, our our heart. Uh, uh, we look into ser- serving the spiritual master, serving the devotees with our body in such a way that there is actually a transcendental reciprocation there. Um, And gradually that external engagement in devotional practice is going to mature and emotion is going to be the driving force. So in beginning, that emotion for the most part and in the majority of the sadikas is is not is not something that's there. There are some that are coming. They're automatically attracted. Uh, there's some uh, real sukriti or some prior involvement in the practice. So they 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 have a taste that's driving them. In the beginning, what drives us is basically directives, the directives of the spiritual master and and. Mm-hmm the do's and don'ts that are put forward in in scripture which are the carrot and the stick that let us know if we do this right it's in our best interest Um, and we're talking about here pure unalloyed devotional service so our best interest is having no interest at all it can't be, it can't be tinged because that tinging of of the service attitude uh, is not going to f- 
it's not going to uh, fuel our, our practice uh, uh, to the topmost level. Uh, of course, it, it's you got to start where you are. It's not that we can immediately be selfless in our service. Uh, we have to work with our conditioned nature. And uh, that's really the glory of, of uh, the Acharya, that he's able to, to take that nature of the sincere student and engage it in such a way that it's purifying to the senses and it's uh, basically a bait and switch routine. <laughs> you know, Oh, you like to do this? Oh, well, let's do this then. You do this for me. You do this for Krishna. So, um, so these first cloud banks that Vishwanath is talking about are taking us up to the platform the first three cloud banks have dealt with going up through the processes as Rupa's outlined them to the stage of Nista. So we have Bhajana Kriya, we engage in Bhajana. At the same time, while we're engaging in Bhajana Kriya, there is going to be some. Uh, the Anarthas are, are going to subside. Uh, and. Uh, but in the beginning, our practice is unsteady, and it's called anista, not steady, devotional practice. <coughs> and as we go on, it's going to become steadier and steadier. So you may ask, well, then what is, what's the purpose? Why should we really, all this detail, but look at all this, I mean, just pages of detail, of, you know, Sanskrit words and terms and terminology, you know, what? why should I bother if I just engage in the process? Isn't everything eventually going to happen? Well, yes, but but there's, there's a need to engage this intellect and the mind. Because really, that, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, <laughs> that can be the best of friends or the worst of enemies. So... Engaging ourselves in an, in the intellectual pursuit and study of the shastra and study of the process, so that we have a good comprehension of what exactly we're going through, because we're going through a process of reprogramming ourselves. Basically, our programming's off. Our wires are all messed up, you know, and they're going in a hundred different directions and look here, go there, enjoy here, try this, be that, you know, and and the Acharyas, they're coming, the Purva Acharyas have left writings, and they're giving us direction, let's, let's, let's straighten the wires out, let's get everything in sync, let's put all the pebbles at the same place in the middle of the pond, and then, you know, waves of, of spiritual emotion can come to us, which aren't coming now. Right now, the, the you know we're dropping the stones everywhere. We're throwing them in in so many directions, and the harmony isn't there in our lives. Even in our devotional lives, we're finding sometimes there's disharmony. Well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. What Vishwanath has done so nicely for us here in Madhurya Kadamani is he said, "Okay, let's wrap our mind around what's happening as we progress." from unsteady devotion to steady devotion. 
what is the psychology of the advancing sadhika? What is he going through? Recognize these things. And as you recognize these things, just like Guru Maharaj now is what? He's explaining a portion of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And what portion is that? That's a portion that's outlining what? Bhava. And what? why? Well, so that we can recognize what are the external symptoms of that sadhika or of that advanced devotee at that stage of bhava. We don't have contact yet with the emotional aspect of that, do we? We don't know what it feels like. How often are our hands, hairs standing on end and we're, you know, our, our voice is choked up? Once in a while we get lucky. Once in a while there's a little shadow of uh, a little glimmer of, of that kind of a spiritual emotion coming when we're with the pure devotees. But for the most part, it's not overwhelming us to the point where we, we can't talk, we can't, you know, we, we have no control of ourselves. So those bhavas are, are a symptom of spiritual emotion. So there are devotees that are at that platform. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Let's seek them out. Okay, because it says if we associate with those people that, you know, that are already infected with bhava, we're, it's gonna, it's, we're gonna get infected. It's like, a, you know, something like a cold. <laughs> so we wanna find that person. Well, I don't know what bhava is. How do I know who he is? What are, what, what's he gonna be like? How's he gonna act? What's the nature of his character? We don't know. Well, so Rupa Goswami said, well, guess what? These are some of the symptoms that you can observe, the external symptoms you can observe. These are the characteristics. So now you know, oh, okay, so what? He's, he's, he's like a Maharaj Parikshit when it comes to complete detachment. He's like a, you know, he's like a Judd Bharat that he's so determined that even when he comes back as an animal, he's so determined he just goes and wants to hear more. It carries through. He fell down. Okay, all right. So you became attached to, a, to, to some, you know, animal. Okay. <laughs> you know, you give up your whole life. You give up your kingdom. You give up your wife. You walk away from it all, and then you become attached to a deer. I mean, come on. Why didn't you just go back to your kingdom and enjoy? What a fool. You can imagine what he felt like. He comes back the next time and is like, I ain't going there. I'm not doing that. Oh, what? You want me to be a Brahmin and follow Varnashram Dharma? Okay, well, what do I do? Oh, I'm supposed to bathe after I pass stool? Okay, I'll bathe and then pass stool because I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to get involved in any of this stuff. I just want to get back to the platform of bhava. I, I want to get. I want to get where I was. I refuse. The father's there. Oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I can't even raise this kid to, to do anything right. It's time to eat. He eats and then he washes his hands. You know, he didn't wash his hands before he ate. You know, you can imagine he must have been. You know, what a life. You know.
Oh, you want to offer me up to some goddess? Sure, no problem. <laughs> you know, no problem. Put me in the pot. Let's go. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm done with it. So these characteristics are there. Oh, these are the characteristics of someone in bhava. They are this detached. They are this determined. No drinking, no sleeping, seven days. Just let me hear. I just want to hear. So, these characteristics are there. Bhava bhakti. Well, that's very nice. We're not a bhava bhakti. We're trying to get on we're trying to get into the game here. You know, so Vishwanath is like, okay, you're just as important as the Bhava Bhakti to Krishna. He doesn't discriminate. And the Acharyas, they don't discriminate. So here, let me give you let me give you this offering so that you can see where you're at and you can see what are the symptoms of your condition and you can recognize where you're at and be and be intelligent enough not to think that you're greater or lesser than you actually are. To know our position in our devotional life is very commendable. It's very good for us. To think that we're nothing, to think, well, that's okay to be humble, but still we have to be practical. Devotional service is not some, you know, will-o'-the-wisp. You know, it's unfortunately not one of those kind of things. It's just a, it's the science of self-realization. Wow, a science. But it's not, you know, a Hubbard science that's made up in the mind of some foolish man that thinks, you know, we can make up aliens that come and, uh, you know, (laughs) inhabit the world. I mean, this is not that kind of a science. This is a real science. These are real people that are tasting real ecstasy. And, and, you know, and guess what? You're not going to have to pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. Well, it would be nice. If you have 100,000, that would be good. So, the first shower, the beginning of the book. We're going to go quickly through the first three showers, quickly. Wow. We have to. We have to get to the fourth shower, right? We've already gone through this so many times, and I'm such a I like to be so thorough. All right, so he opens up the book. What's he do? He first brings out the point that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, he's giving some special nourishment to ninefold processes of devotional service. Followed by that, he praises the fact that Rupa Goswami is giving what, other, what no one else has given before in a systematic manner. I just asked Guru Maharaj, I was reading in Chaitanya Charitamrita, and we noticed that that at the end, in the Anchalila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was studying these books of of uh, Chandi Das and and I forget the other two. Uh, but he's these authors were many, many years before the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At the end of life, Shaitanya Mahabhu is trying to enter into Madhurya, the full, uh, you know, he's in the Gambira, just wrapped up, trying to get the mood of Radha, and she's he's hearing these works of the these earlier kavis, these great poets of 
you know, ecstatic emotion in love for Krishna. So this is what he's hearing from the from being read to him by Surup Damodar and Ramananda Roy. Well, wait a minute. Now, Lord Chaitanya came to give what no one's given before, but when it comes to getting what he wants to get, he's reading works that were written before his time. Uh, I I had to write Guru Maharaj a letter. So what what's going on here? What actually, he's reading these earlier works, it appears that of course for him to relish these works, they have to be talking of the highest spiritual exchanges between Radha and Krishna. So what, I don't, I, just a little disconnect. He said, well there's two things. He answered it with a, a two-fold answer. He said, one was, some say that what Sri Shaitanya came to give was the systematic implementation of a practice whereby anyone can enter into this topmost level of, of, of transcendental understanding, Raj Bhakti. Well, that's pretty amazing, systematic. And what do we have? We have Rupa Goswami's Bhakti. What talk about a systematic step-by-step practice of how you know, somebody that has no, no spiritual bank account can enter into the deepest understandings of transcendental love of the Supreme Lord. That's a pretty systematic thing. Wow. So yeah, that's one aspect. And he said the other aspect is some say that what Sri Shaitanya gave that wasn't given before was this completely selfless service attitude that's there in Manjari Bhav. They don't even want to be with, they just want to serve Radha Krishna, the Manjaris. And also we're finding out it's not just the Manjaris, it's also what? The Priyanarmas. They're also, you know, so... Rupa Goswami, giving some special things have not been given before. Deeper understanding. So, Vishwanath first praises Sri Shaitanya. Second, then he goes on to praise Rupa Goswami. Um, then he praises the practice. He praises that systematic understanding. What's he do? He brings out the point that what I'm going to give here is all based on the deepest understandings of the Shruti. This is all backed up. I'm not making this up as I go along. Alright? What I'm going to give you here is solid spiritual information. So, he opens up in this way. So, Sri Shaitanya, Rupa Goswami, all based on pure understanding of scripture. Pure understanding what? Free of what? Defects. The four defects. Imperfect senses, tendency to cheat, be illusioned. And want something for nothing. Well, we'll go 
into that a little later. Then he touches upon the fact that Krishna is complete, the Supreme Lord is completely independent, not dependent on anything. Well, that's good. <laughs> because if he was dependent on anything, I think the whole Lord thing would go out the window. <laughs> you know, God's God for a reason. <laughs> you know, the buck stops there. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. And then he goes on to say, and bhakti, this love of God that's coming, that's also completely independent, like God's independent. Oh, well then it's coming from God. No, not coming from God. Because if it came from God, then people would accuse him of being partial. Oh, you're giving bhakti to this and not to that one. Well, that's not a good thing. And he, he, he goes, Vishwanath goes in and he just pulls out all this scriptural knowledge and just, he, he first of all, in a very preliminary way, not like he does at the beginning of the Bhagavatam, but he very much establishes the independence of Krishna based on scripture. And then he establishes that bhakti is also completely independent and that, it's, that bhakti is not coming through Krishna directly. His Kripa Shakti is what? It's coming through the agency of his devotees. So, and in coming through the agencies of the devotees, it's not distributed indiscriminately. And he also bases, bases that on what? On Srimad Bhagavatam. So, uh, I think we've quoted that verse there somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Uh, from the 11th canto. Mm. The second verse that's quoted. There. An intermediate or second-class devotee called Madhyamadakari offers his love. He has four. These are four. Four characteristics of the Madhyamadakari. He offers his love to the Supreme Lord. He. He's a sincere friend of the devotees. He knows who to hang with. He has good sangha. And, he's merciful to the ignorant. And he disregards the people that disregard Krishna, that disregard the Supreme Lord, that are disrespectful, that are that are oh, antagonistic. Uh, unlimited living entities, and you know, for those that are inimical towards the Lord, he just he there's enough innocent people to keep him busy, so he doesn't really. You know, once in a while he'll extend some exceptional mercy, uh, you know, to the people that are inimical. Sometimes uh, there's there's always exceptions to the rules. There's also a always a jagai and mudai, and there's also always someone as merciful as as uh, Nichinanda Prabhu to to let me sh let me show how 
how powerful Sri Chaitanya is. Let me, let me, let me bring these people into devotional service. So anyway, lots of time spent on the complete independence of the Supreme Lord. Then he goes on to the independence of Bhakti and the fact that the Bhakti is not coming from Krishna directly. It's coming through the agency of his devotee. Not any devotee, the Madhyamadhikari. The Kanista doesn't have enough spiritual qualification yet to give something of substance. and the Uttama, the topmost devotee, he's lost his power to discriminate. He he's overwhelmed with 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 Krishna. So much so that he can't see anything but Krishna wherever he looks. And he doesn't see anybody as different from himself. Uh so he's in a unique position. He may preach, but if he preaches, he comes down to the Mudjim platform. He adapts that mentality in order, to, in order to work in the world in a way to spread Krishna consciousness. This complete independence of bhakti is something that is not understood easily, even amongst the devotees, especially Kanistas. We have a hard time with this. We think there's something we can do. There's, there's, you know, the, that we we have we we're well. First of all, we think we're in, we ha- we're entitled, you know. But uh, they teach you early on when you're when you're in high school that driving is a it's a privilege. It's not a right. So, bhakti, it, it's a privilege. It's coming to us through the merciful uh, good fortune of a devotee. And if we're so fortunate as to get that mercy extended to us, uh, we should take, take advantage. It's, it's a very, very rare thing. Um, and sometimes we don't recognize how rare it is. And sometimes there's feelings amongst devotees, well, I can, I can muscle my way into heaven. You know, I, I'll be the most austere, I'll be the most this, that, or another thing. My spiritual master used, used to say this to us, he'd say, you're not the most of anything. Well, I'm the most fallen. No, you're not even the most fallen. I mean, you know. So, um, these misconceptions, uh, if we can dissipate that, it's good for us. So, so is our position to beg for that bhakti? Well, our position is to, to develop a taste for bhakti through service to the point where there's no other thing that will satisfy our taste. When we are at that position of, of only wanting bhakti, we develop the greed that that takes us from from the uh, beginning platform to the intermediate platform and beyond. Um, I th- I mean yes, a lot of people say we should beg, but 
you know, yeah, I guess you could say it's begging, but better than begging is 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 just serving in such a way that we're we're uh, you know. I I think I think a better way to look at it is look at a child and look at a par- a child parent relationship. And the child is always coming and say, "Gimme, gimme, 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 gimme." You know, the, the parents like, "Yeah, okay." Sometimes they'll give you something just, uh, "Yeah, just here, let me give you this, go away." You know, no, no, gimme, gimme, gimme. If the child is there and is a little more mature, and the relationships is is a little further along, the child's you know uh, has some further qualification to to have a relationship with the parent through age, then that child that that gets off the gimme platform gets on the what can I do for you? Once that then the then the reciprocation becomes a lot more mature. So yes, begging could be there, but better than begging is is working selflessly, you know. So and that's that's our beginning <laughs> platform is one of of Vatsalya with the guru. They they take the the leadership position, the, the family position, the elder position in our spiritual life, in our spiritual family, in the Sadakadeya, it's like <laughs> We're it's always we live in the home of our guru, so the master of the house is 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 the father, and the mother, and so I think that's you know that's a better way. Then the then later as as the longing increases, and somebody actually comes to the level of humility that of nista. That they're past all the problems of a, of unsteady practice, they actually become to the stage of needs. To, then that characteristic of factual humility naturally manifests a, a begging that is the is the greed that we call loyum that that really fosters moving into deep spiritual understanding and deep spiritual appreciation. Does that make sense? Yes. So, completely independent. If you remember, we went through a stage in in our discussions here of of what's the difference between yawn and, and yoga and karma and for any of these to be successful. There has to be a pinch of bhakti. Bhakti doesn't need a pinch of them at all. Hard to... Well, I have to have some knowledge. Well, yeah, but not the way that the jnani has to have knowledge. And I have to have some works, good works, but not the way the karmi has to have good works. And I have to have some yogic austerities... Well, not the way the yogic has, yogi has to have them. Our process is shravanam kirtanam vishnu smaranam padasevanam. These are the main angas of bhakti. This is what bhakti is. So bhakti doesn't need jnan, bhakti doesn't need karma, bhakti doesn't need yoga. Bhakti needs bhakti. Bhakti fosters bhakti. Bhakti brings us 
the goal of bhakti, which is bhakti. We don't need these other things. They, on the other hand, you can do them perfectly. If there's not a pinch of bhakti, you'll fail in them. And they are such an exacting thing that if you get any little bit of it wrong, you're a failure. You pronounce the, you put the you pronounce the syllable of the mantra a little wrong, and who is to become Indra's enemy? Enemy now becomes the enemy of Indra, and Indra wins. Perfect Brahman, just a little intonation difference. Where's all that taken him in the exact opposite direction? So Vishwanath brings out that all in the first cloud bank yana um, second shower now we talk about alright we're now some faith sadhu sangha bhajana kriya begins what happens when the devotee begins this process of bhajana kriya? Well, that seed, it's referred to metaphorically as a seed of bhakti planted in the heart. It's actually the intent of Krishna's devotee and the aspiration of the little bit of willpower that the jiva has. Those two combined give us our seed. But really the intent of the devotee is... <laughs> is the primary ingredient here. They want to give us bhakti, and that, that gives us some foothold, some, some ability to begin the process. As the process begins, what happens? There are symptoms of the process, characteristics, observable things. First two leaves of the creeper of bhakti are what? Subhada Kleshadmi. So, Kleshagni means some of the dirt begins to wear off. So, the kleshas and life starts to look like it has some potential for us. Subhada, there's auspiciousness. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It may be a long tunnel, but there's still light there. That's really a good thing. Who cares how long the tunnel is? If you look back, you're never going to find where you're, where you're coming from. That, that's nothing but darkness, the other end of the tunnel. So at least you see, well, there may be a tunnel, but there's light. Well, that's a good start. So, subada, some auspiciousness. Everything is... It may it, it's going to come up roses, but it may be a little thorny, thorny in the beginning. Okay, we can deal with that. And destroyer of material suffering. Wow, what a relief! What a relief it is. Plop plop, you know, some japa or whatever, and you know, we can get free of some of these things. So, what brings people to this? These first leaves coming out, what are they like? Well, 
There, Vishwanath points out that there's a difference between what? Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti. I can't imagine what Rag Bhakti's like. I imagine it's very nice just to be drawn into the process without the carrot and the stick, but I can, I can speak of the carrot and the stick, you know, the scriptural side of it. Um, and that side of the leaf that comes is considered to be the outer leaf, the outer part of the leaf. Um, it's a little rough. The inner is considered to be very soft and gentle because the driving force is simply an attachment, a firm desire to have Krishna consciousness. The other is, I know it's in my best interest and I should do it. So there's a difference there. Uh, Kleshas, Vishwanath goes over the Kleshas, five of them, Avidya, Ignorance, Asmita, False Ego, I and my, considering the Purusa and Pradhana the same. People understand that. Purusha, the enjoyer, and the energy, it's the same. So therefore I identify with matter. I identify with mind, intelligence, false ego, subtle, gross, earth, water, air, fire, ether, basically the body and everything that the body experiences, what the senses perceive, how the senses are developed. We could go to the Bhagavatam and, and get into the Kapila's instructions and learn all that development of how the senses are coming, one after another, one from the other. Rag, attachment, we're attached, we find the senses, the objects of the senses, and we, we become attached to them. And if we can't get what we want, we get upset to the point of hate. Damn it. Why didn't this go my way? So, then, I don't want to give up at least what I do have, although sometimes I don't get it and I'm, I become very mad and angry and hateful, but I just don't want to give it up. And that creates a fear in us. I don't want to die. I go out there, do a survey. Go to Park Avenue or wherever and just do a survey. Sir, do you want to die? No. Ma'am, do you want to die? No. No. Go ahead. Do it. See how many say, oh, yes, no problem. Dying is no problem. No, we have a fear. It's one, that's a problem. So, the kleshas, the kleshas are gradually, these are miseries of material existence and at, just when we begin devotional service, these things start to fall away. Not all at once, but at least we become intelligent enough to know, I'm not this body, I'm not this body, death is just a change. I shouldn't be angry when things don't go my way because things aren't always going to go my way. You know, I shouldn't be happy when everything's nice. So, this ignorance, all these things fall away. Um, and the reactions that we're suffering in life, four types of sins are elaborated upon. And how those dissipate is also covered in this second cloud bank.
Parabda, Aparabda, Kuja, Bija. Um, he ends up the uh, second cloud bank basically touching upon, you know, the next stages, how Shraddha is there and how the Shraddha takes you to the feet of the Guru. So, first cloud bank and overall independence of bhakti second cloud bank the seed of bhakti is planted in the heart what are the symptoms of engaging in the process the first symptoms are going to be given here these first symptoms are the symptoms that go all the way up to the stage of bhava so this relief from material miseries and this diminishing of the effects I mean in, I'm sorry diminishing of the effects of, of the clashes and this you know the relief from material existence and on the other end the good fortune of becoming our true self becoming aware of it and gradually entering into a life of it Subhada. The third shower deals with specifically these are the characteristics of Anartha Nivriti. Let me tell you what the Anarthas are, tell you how they're affecting your practice in the beginning, and tell you how you can recognize when they are having less of an effect on your psychology and you can recognize that you're making progress to that coveted position of nista, steadiness. So in this section, the third cloud bank, Vishwanath deals with understanding what, is, what are these anarthas? Explaining they're coming in four varieties. Duskratino, they're arising from the clashes. So we have to deal with the fact that these, these are, are, are the uh, after effects of our material existence that carry into the beginning of our spiritual practice. Does that make sense? They're coming from our material life, but it's not like you just turn off the you know you turn off a light bulb when your material existence ends they're there and they diminish gradually as we go on in our devotional practice so these are duskritino um, the attachment that we have for material life sukritotha um, those are also there as anarthas we're, we're you know Maya's not going to let go easy. That's basically what that means. We still have, that's where, that's the only place we know how to enjoy. So, what are you going to do? You're, you're not going to just, you know, it's not going to stop automatically. It's what you're accustomed to. Lust, anger, greed—these things. That's how we've. That's how we've existed since time immemorial. That's where we've, you know, where we've got all of our pleasures in the, 
in, in existence. Um, so, the miseries and the enjoyments coming from the material body. Duskritotha anartha, sukritotha anartha. Then we got, have aparodotha, aparodotha. Those run arising from offenses we make while we are engaged in the practice of devotional service. Vishwanath makes it very clear to us that those particular Anarthas center around the offenses to the holy name itself. He doesn't talk about other offenses because those offenses, when properly dealt with and recognized for what they are and dealt with in a way that they're, we diminish and eventually cease them altogether, will cover any other <coughs> fault that may be there in our devotional practice. He brings that out specifically by pointing out the fact that the uh, the offenses, the seva anarthas, the offenses that are engaged in while we're serving the deities and while we're, you know, serving the spiritual master, those seva anarthas are automatically dealt with in the practice. It's only when we make them into a bad habit that they can become an anartha of the level of a nam aparad. What's that mean? Well, it's not good to what? Commit sinful activity on the strength of chanting. If it's, a, if it's something where it's done unintentionally and it's pointed out and we say, okay, no, I have to do like this, I have to make sure I bathe like this, I have to sit like this, I can't be like this in the temple or with my spiritual master. So once we learn, but if we continue to do it again and again, then it's like, well, I'm chanting Hare Krishna, so that's all I have to do. No, then the seva anartha becomes a nama aparad. We start, we, we're trying to game the system to take advantage so so that's the only thing so seva, save those anarthas that come through the practice he doesn't even deal with them he only deals with the aspect that if you let them become an upper rod by taking advantage of the holy name then then there's then they become a real offense then you have to worry otherwise nah, they come and go they're not there they're dealt with automatically through our chanting, they're immediately dissipated. And then that last group of Anarthas are what? Why riding the waves of my devotional life here? People are giving me money, people are worshiping me, giving me flowers, feeding me food, you know, following me around, you know, I must be something. So there's there. We can be pulled back into, into uh, a material enjoyment through the benefits that are coming from the practice of devotion itself. So the, those are called bhakti anarthas. Bhaktyutha. Um, arising from the practice itself. 
So the questions are, well, then when? When do, the, when do these anarthas dissipate? How, how, are they, how are they dealt with as we, we go through progressive service? And that's also there and dealt with in the third cloud bank. I've given you a little thing there of the cessation of anarthas uh, based on the kinds of anarthas. Uh, if we go to the, the first two that are coming from material life, uh, Duskritotha and Sukritotha, um, those are dissipated in Bhajna Kriya almost completely, uh, in Nista completely, and absolutely by the time you stay, reach the stage of Asakti. Uh, those anarthas coming from the practice itself, uh, basically living, you know, enjoying the benefits of our practice of devotion, are uh, hmm. There we go. Uh, Bhajana Kriya is partial, Nista complete, Ruchi absolute. Some of the stage of Ruchi, they're they're gone. So, wow. Now talk about just look at it from the platform of before you even get to the stage of Bhava, all of the past reactions to your sinful or pious activities in material existence are absolutely gone at the stage of Asakti. All the all the offenses that could come from from the benefits of bhakti are absolutely dissipated by the time you get to the platform of ruchi. Absolutely. But, nam aparads, this most serious, those are not dissipated absolutely until you've actually attained Krishna's lotus feet. So that's why it's so important. We notice in the third cloud bank that a considerable amount of time is dealt with on Vaishnava Aparad. It is the emperor of all offenses. And it's so important because that that not that we not let that impede our progress. There's there's nothing that can that can set us back in our devotional service for lifetimes as serious as, as, as Vaishnava Aparad. It's the worst of all the Nam Aparads. So he deals with that. Um, and he kind of ends up the third cloud bank uh, by pointing out that what happens when these Aparads are there is that Krishna, uh, they, they, they become like a fever in our practice and uh, they're lessened over a considerable amount of time. Uh, and he ends up the whole section. By his own will, the clever Lord, who gives all auspiciousness to his devotees, give distress to his devotees to increase their humility and ignorance. Therefore, because reactions to fruitive activities or absence in them, the distress seen in the devotees 
is not the result of their parabdha karma. So we have to be very careful in our judgment of devotees and understand that uh, Krishna is always working for their benefit. So that's a quick summary and we will start with the fourth cloud bank. The fourth cloud bank, is, as I said, is, is, is going to deal specifically with what are the symptoms of somebody at Nista. And it's going to begin by a few more things that, that are going to hold us back from attaining steadiness. So we'll leave that preview with that. Are there any questions? Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Thank you.